If you are unfamiliar, what we typically do uh, once a quarter when pastor's out of town is I will cover his Sunday school class and kind of um, target, uh, targeted towards parents of teens. And so I know not everybody has children. I know not everybody has teenagers in here. Uh, but this kind of the, the scope of today, uh, today's Sunday school is really for uh, parents of teens. Now, it's a parenting lesson, so it's applicable to all of you with children. Uh, so... You know, with that being said, I appreciate you guys being here and, and, and uh, participating anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then I'll, I'll get into uh, the rest of this. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for allowing, to be, for allowing us to be here this morning. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather with friends and, and uh, fellow believers and spend some time worshiping you. God, I pray that you would help us to be open and responsive to what you have for us, uh, both in Sunday school and, and in the main service. Speak to us this morning, Lord. I love you. In your name. Amen. I'd like to encourage and, and kind of caution parents about some apps, uh, some things to be aware of. Uh, and and uh, I, I try to look these up, and, and uh, one of my favorite resources is called uh, Bark. And if you don't know what Bark is, Bark is a social—I'm sorry—a a filter that you can put on your child's phone, and I highly recommend it. It is a, a very comprehensive uh, filter. It filters through their social media. It filters through their web browsing. It filters through their music. It filter—you can set filters on just about everything, and it's really good. So, I, but they—they—they they, they release every so often a list of apps to be aware of. And so the, the four apps I would like to kind of caution you guys about today are dis, the first one being Discord. Uh, Discord is a kind of a uh, social media that you, you can kind of talk to each other in. Uh, it has, as all things, uh, as everything has in our, our life today, it has positive application, but it also has a lot of negative application. And so with Discord, the, the Barks annual report found that Discord consistently is in the top five platforms for bullying, suicidal ideation, and body image shaming, and more. Even though it's popular among teens, Discord is used by more than just kids, which means that there are adults that also use this app, and, uh, which means adults have access to speak to your children. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm very careful about who has the ability, especially adults, who has the ability to, to influence and to have conversations with my children because there's so much danger out there. And Discord really breaks down that barrier for, for a lot of, of people with ill intent. Uh, Discord, also Omegle. If you're not familiar with that, Omegle is a terrible app. There is no positive application to it. It is a random video chat, or anonymous random video chat app. So what happens is you, you log in, you create an account, uh, and then you hit next. And from there, you, it pairs you with some random person who already has their video feed pulled up. And you can video chat with somebody you know, across the country, across the world. And as you can imagine, this is a very, very dangerous thing, uh, and it's exposing our children to uh, a lot of inappropriate things. And um, I, I want to say, there is no positive application for Omegle. Uh, be very careful. Don't allow your students to, to be involved in that. Uh, the other one's called Hoop. Uh, Hoop is one of the most popular apps in middle schools right now. Uh, Hoop is essentially if Tinder meets Snapchat. 
Uh, so it allows you to kind of swipe through potential friends that you share interests and hobbies with. Uh, and once you accept somebody and create that uh, friendship, you can now uh, have pretty much unfettered access to, to chat, to send pictures, to send videos back and forth. And, and again, if you don't see the danger in that, then you're, you're being naive. Uh, that, that is not something that I would want my children to have access to, is the ability to send somebody I don't know pictures and videos. Uh, it's, it's, it's listed as one of the top apps for grooming amongst pedophiles. So make sure that you are protecting your kids from that. The fourth and final one is Roblox. Uh, Roblox is a very popular uh, game uh, for our kids, but Roblox, Roblox in of itself is not terrible, but it does allow users to create their own content. Uh, and so what they found is that they're creating a lot of hate speech, they're creating a lot of uh, racist uh, 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 conversations, there are a lot of violence, sexual content, uh, there are a lot of stuff in this Roblox app that, that's very dangerous. Uh, again, in of itself, on the surface, it's not dangerous. There are like so many other things that we talk about. But there, somebody has, of course, twisted it and turned it into a, a perverted and dangerous thing. Uh, and I know Roblox is probably not very popular amongst those of you who have upperclassmen. Uh, Roblox is really targeted towards junior high uh, and, and elementary students. Uh, so if your student is, is a fan of that, be aware of what they're doing. Uh, the best way to protect your child is just remove the internet access to that. Uh, Roblox, again, in of itself is fine, but when, it, when they have access to other people, it becomes, it becomes something of a, a dangerous thing, all right? If you've got your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and open them to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll get into the lesson today. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, and the Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Uh, there is a species of goose called the barnacle goose. Uh, the barnacle goose uh, builds its nests into the side of a cliff uh, because it's one of the few ways it can protect its eggs and its, its babies from foxes. Uh, but very, very kind of tragically, the barnacle goose's way of making sure that their, their children uh, are able to fly is they just shove them out of the nest, as birds typically do. But uh, when you're house is built into the side of a cliff that's 600 to 1200 feet high, uh, it's a lot more dangerous. And so these barnacle geese, they, they shove their babies out of the nest, and, and the, the statistics are that less than, uh, I'm sorry, uh, over a third die before they're, of the, the chicks die before they're able to survive. Uh, that doesn't sound like very good parenting statistics, right? I mean, if we're, we're doing good, two-thirds of our kids have made it. Eh, that's, that's not great. Um, I, I hope we're doing better than that. Thankfully, we don't have kind of the high-stakes parenting of, of some wildlife where we're literally shoving our children off cliffs, though we may feel like it, or, or running from predators. Uh, we, we, we don't have that kind of danger in our life all the time. But what we do as parents is we are trying to raise successful adults, right? I mean, our entire purpose, our entire function is not to raise good kids, it's to raise godly adults, right? I mean, from, from the day you bring them home from the hospital, your very intent is focused about making sure that they are able to, to survive, to sustain themselves, and, and to do so, not, not just survive, but to thrive. And as we, we embark on this kind of I don't know, scary journey. I, you guys may not be scared by it, but I am. I, I, you know, my children are seven, or, oh no, eight, six, 
sorry, I forgot a birthday, eight, six, and one, and, and five, seven weeks old, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm terrified. I really am. Uh, because eventually they're, they're going to be getting married. They're going to be having families of their own. They're going to be making decisions that I don't get to have my, my say in, and I don't like that. And so from, from the very day that we bring our children home, we are, we are gearing them towards being that successful adult. I remember the, the first time I held Ella, uh, my, my oldest daughter, I held her in the hospital. I was sitting there. I, I, I had never held, in my whole life, I've never held a baby younger than six months. And here they are. I, I can't believe they let anybody hold babies. They, they hand me this newborn baby wrapped up in a blanket and say, here you go, Dad. And I'm like, oh, no, I am in trouble. And, and I, I remember I looked at her. I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair, and I had her propped up on my knees. I remember looking at her thinking, I, I think I, I even told her out loud, I am not ready for this. And she took it personal. She made sure that, that she, she let me know how, how much that bothered her. And, uh, but I'm thankful for it. But my entire purpose as a parent is not just to have good kids, but to raise godly adults. So how do I, in a biblical fashion, raise a godly and a, a successful adult? And I, I want to look at this passage here in Proverbs. We see in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, we see that, that you know, Solomon is speaking to his son, and, and he tells him what? My son, forget not the law. What's he saying? He's saying, forget not what I've taught you. The first thing that, that Solomon points out is he's already, throughout his son's entire life, established his teaching with him. This is not new to him. He's not revealing this new idea. He's not saying, hey, son, last minute, I want to tell you. No, no. He's saying, remember the lifetime of teaching I've told, taught you. And he says, In thine heart, or, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. He's saying, you want a successful life? Do what I tell you to do. So as we look at this, I, I, I hope to uh, give us some, some ways and hopefully reminders and how we can raise successful adults. And I, I feel I always need to preface this. I'm not saying this because I have perfect children. If you know my children, they are far from perfect. Uh, and I often joke that God gave me Ella first to, to humble me because if I had Cora, our second daughter, if I had her first, I would have wrote the book on parenting. I, like, I, I knew she, she was so easy. She was so, so obedient. Everything came so naturally. Ella was a, a terror from the day we brought her home. And, and God really taught me a lot through that. I'm not up here trying to tell you, listen, I know how you to parent your children. I know more than you. That's not it at all. I, I'm truly speaking from the authority of God's word. And I hope it can be a reminder and encouragement to us about how, uh, the, how big the responsibility we have as parents. The first thing that we can do to help our children be successful adults is give them some liberty. Give them some liberty. This is, this is a tough one. I, I, I've been involved with, with the entire spectrum of parenting. I, I've, I've had parents of teens in my youth group who said, my child will not have a phone, will never talk to a girl, will never do anything until they graduate high school. That's a little scary. And then you have parents who are like, hey, my six-year-old needs a cell phone, and they already broke up with their girlfriend last week. Like, and, and, okay, as with all things, the, the, the best place to be is in a place of balance. And we have as parents a responsibility to help our children learn how to handle liberty with responsibility. Because we have this misconception that liberty means we get to do whatever we want. But liberty is not doing whatever you want. It's learning to manage your responsibility. I'm, I'm sorry, learning to manage your freedom with responsibility. Because, th I mean, think about it. In, in our court system, if somebody fails to handle their freedom responsibly, what do they do? 
They take it away. They put them in jail. They, they, they give them probation. They find them. They, they, they do things to be sure that they are managing their liberty, their freedom well. So we as parents have to be sure that we're not giving freedom without responsibility. We're not giving liberty without responsibility. I think it is extremely important to tie a, a privilege to a responsibility. So when our child fails to fulfill the responsibility, then we can say, listen, you chose to do this. This is the consequence. You, you failed to clean your room, do the laundry, do the chores I asked you to do. I'm taking your phone away. You failed to be responsible with the car. You failed to, to make sure it's filled with gas. You, what, whatever you choose to do, tie their freedom to responsibility. And even now with my, my children, I, I feel that I, I say it all the time, because of your poor choice, you lost a privilege. What am, I, what am I saying? I'm saying you failed to handle freedom, therefore I am removing liberty. All right? And I think it's important that we as parents tie the two together. Because it's important for our children to learn how to handle these things in a safe environment. Which leads, which leads me to, to the second point. Uh, allow your child to fail safely. Allow them to panic Panic, I think we've all interacted with somebody who's panicked before, right? Uh, uh, there are some people who handle panic extremely well. They're in the middle of a crisis, they're calm, they're collected, they're, they're handling it, they're doing whatever they need to do to, to make it through the crisis, and they move on, and life is better, and, and everything's okay. Then we have people who cannot handle panic at all. At all. Uh, they, they melt down, they freeze up, they freak out. I, I had a student break his arm. We were, we were, we were playing uh, touch football one time. And he jumped up, caught a pass, collided with another student. He comes down, he's holding his arm. And I had the, other stu the student who he collided with came up to me. He said, Brother Corey, I, th I think he broke his arm. I think he broke his arm. I said, ah, he's fine, stop. He said, no, I, I heard a snap. I said, he's fine, stop. And I walked over there as this kid's laying on the ground holding his arm. I said, Nathaniel, let me, let me see your arm. He takes his hand off, and as he does, his arm just flops. Like, it, it was absolutely broken. It was terrible. So, of course, I'm, I'm trying to help Nathaniel. I, I pick him up. Uh, he, he goes limp in my arms. I'm like, Nathaniel, stop. Stand up, man. Stop being. And I realize as I look at him, he passed out. And uh, I, I felt terrible because here he is, his arms flailing. He's passed out. And I'm telling him, quit being a baby. And so, so I, I carry him into the, the school. I call his mom who is hysterical. She's freaking out on the phone. She's yelling at me. Uh, I then have to drive him 45 minutes to a hospital in Springfield because uh, they're, they're, the local hospital is out of network for him. And so the whole time he's in the, the seat just screaming and hollering, go faster. I go faster. I hit a bump. Don't hit bumps. Like, listen, you, you don't get it both ways. We get into the hospital room, and it's great. They, they, they drug him up. In, fa in fact, he, he's like, he's looking at the ceiling, and his eyes are just tracking back and forth. He says, really, Corey, am I high? <laughs> I said, uh, I think so, bud. He said, I like it. <laughs> oh, no. His mom shows up, and as she shows up, the, the, the doctor comes in, and, and she's, you know, obviously very well-versed in what she's doing, and she, she steps out in the hallway, grabs one of the nurses. She says, hey, I need your help setting, setting this guy's arm, and so this, this nurse comes in, and he's, he's a big, tall guy, and he looks at her, and he says, they're going to let you do this on your first day? And the mom's face went sheet white, and, and the nurse like, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. She's been doing this for like 20 years, and I was like, I was like shut up, man, like. I, I just got her calmed down. We, we've all interacted with people who can handle panic, who can't handle panic. And, and it's important for us to teach our children how to panic. Uh, panic. Panicking well is a learned trait. Some of us do it well inherently. 
Some of us are able to, to handle crises well. Some cannot. Some, some in those situations are just naturally not as good at it. But it's important for us to allow our children to learn to handle panic, to learn to fail well. Listen, your child's failure is not a reflection on you. Your handling of their failure absolutely is. We have to be sure as parents that we are giving them the opportunity to mess up so we can come alongside them and say, hey, listen, this is where we went wrong. This is what happened. How can we fix this and how can we do better next time? Uh, so we, we need to let our children fail. We need to let them panic. Uh, we also need to be consistent in expectations and standards. When we're consistent in standards and expectations, it'll allow our children to have kind of a security in what we're doing. Uh, several years ago, I was approached by a dad who's, who was dealing with his son who was listening to music that he didn't care for, uh, you know, and he, he, he says, hey, I, I really don't like my sons listening to the, uh, worldly music. He says, I, I really try to encourage them to listen to Southern Gospel, or, you know, this kind of music, and, and he says, what can I do to help him? And, and my, uh, as we're talking about it, the dad then reveals to me, he says, now don't get me wrong, he says, I listen to Leonard Skinner and ACDC as I'm working in the garage, and I was like, wait a minute. Our problem isn't the worldly music, it's that you don't like that worldly music. And oftentimes as parents, we can be guilty of doing the same thing. We can have a knee-jerk reaction to cultural uh, uh, things that our students are embracing, but the reality is, is that we embrace the cultural things from our generation. And I'm not saying music is one of those things that we should be like, oh, no, whatever, it's cultural. No, no, listen, music's important. But, but we can't allow ourselves to compromise because it's what we grew up with and condemn because it's what they're growing up with. We must be consistent across the board because in so doing, we teach our children not just how to do the right thing, but why to do the right thing. When we're consistent in standards and expectations, it gives our children security. Uh, we also need to teach our children how to think. We need to teach our children how to think things through. Common sense is a lost art form in today's world. I, mean, I, th I think we can, all, we can all attest to that. We've all dealt with somebody recently that you're like, what are you thinking? Like, I, what, what is going through your head right now? And, and it's, it's really because we are failing as parents in our, in our world today to teach our children how to think things through. We like to jump in. We like to solve the problem for them. But listen, it, it is great for our children to come to something that they don't know how to do and for us to sit there and hold their hand as they figure out how to do it. And we provide some tips. We provide some helpers. Uh, uh, but, but we are, are allowing them to solve this problem on their own. We have to teach our children to think critically. We have to teach them how to think in general. Let's be sure that we are, we are giving our children the opportunity to develop common sense because though some of it is inherent, most common sense is, is learned behavior. And we have to be sure that we're helping our kids with that. We have to teach them how to think about the cultural uh, uh, things that are happening in our world today. We've recently had a young lady who claims that she's uh, non-binary come into our youth group, and I'm excited about it. I, I really am. I'm thrilled by it because this young lady is, is, is looking for a place of belonging. And, and while, I'm, while I'm on this topic, I want, I want to take a moment and say this. We have this very much a knee-jerk reaction to, to uh, students, especially middle schoolers or high schoolers, claiming non-binary or homosexuality. I, I want to I clarify something. In our culture today, it is less about sexual preference and more about a place of belonging. These children, they're, they're not saying, listen, I, I'm, I, though they are literally saying, I'm attracted to somebody of, of the opposite gender, what they're looking for is a place where somebody will accept them and love them. 
And they feel that they have to put on this pretense or they have to adopt this ideology to find a place of belonging. Though it is sexual perversion, it is more indicative of, of the fact that they need somebody to love them. And so to have this young lady who's coming and saying, hey, I'm non-binary, and, and, and though it's, it's, it's kind of weird for us, it's important that she understands this is a place where we love you and we accept you. And I had the opportunity to tell her, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to call you by the pronouns that God's given you, but I am, I'm thrilled you're here. I love you, and I'm thankful that you get to be a part of our youth group. My, my, my approval of them is not tied to their, their conformity to, to biblical standards. I, I want to say that again. My, my love for them, my approval for them as an individual is not tied to their conformity of biblical standards. Jesus, when he came, he didn't, he didn't minister to those who conformed to biblical standards the most. He conformed to those who needed him the most. And these, these young people are desperate for a place where somebody loves them. And that has to be the church. We should be the pioneers of loving the, the children who, who, are, who are experiencing abuse, who are experiencing a, a, a place where, where, where they have nobody that loves them. So with all that being said, we have to teach our students how to approach these problems. Because this problem is very real. I have the opportunity every week to go and speak at, or participate in a Bible club at Southwood Middle School. If you don't know Southwood, uh, Southwood is a performing arts middle school. Uh, it, it runs in, in contingency to Robert Anderson. Um, because they are a performing arts middle school, uh, a, lot, a lot of the students are buying into this liberal uh, ideology. A lot of them are homosexual. A lot of them are, are bi. I have, I have sixth graders who cannot have sexual identity claiming they're bisexual. No, no. They, they need a place of belonging. And as our world has embraced this more and more, we are doing our children a disservice trying to blind them to that stuff. They're going to see it. They're going to have to interact with it. And, and with this young lady who's been coming who claims non, non or, or I'm sorry, uh, non-binary, uh, uh, a lot of our students don't know how to handle her. And, and I understand that. This is, this is weird. This is new. I, nobody taught, we did not have a class in Bible college about how to deal with non-binary and homosexuality. That was not a problem when I graduated 12 years ago. Nobody did this. But here it is, and, and I'm having to deal with it all the time now. It's important for us as parents to find the opportunity to help our children shape the way they think about these issues specifically. Somebody's doing it. YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, somebody's teaching them how to think. It is our job to be sure that we are the ones shaping that, that thought pattern and, and how they're approaching those issues. Uh, uh, number five, let's be vigilant. I feel that I say this every time, but I feel that I cannot say it enough. Be vigilant in what your children are doing on their phones, on their social media. Be aware of who they're texting. I've had two encounters recently in the last couple weeks with, with a parent of a student in our school, and they were telling me how, oh, we don't let our kid have uh, uh, Snapchat or TikTok or anything like that. And then I, the, literally, I, I, I'm not exaggerating, the next day I was interacting with their, their student, and, and they pull out their phone, and Snapchat right there, open up Snapchat right on the home screen. You can't tell me you don't let your kids do it. He's doing it. It, it, it happens because mom and dad are not being vigilant in what their children are doing. They may have told them, hey, you're not allowed to have Snapchat, but if you're not checking the phone, who's going to stop them? Uh, wh what's going to keep them from doing that? Uh, the second in, in, in encounter I had was a student who came to me because they're, they're being really bullied uh, via, via a messaging app uh, over some petty things. 
And, and listen, as parents, we should be the ones who are, who are always vigilant in that stuff. Read their texts. Read their group texts. Pay attention to who they're talking to the most. Uh, pay attention to what they're doing on their social media. It's very easy for them to have a secret account on social media. So make sure that you're on top of that, too. I, I'm just, like, throwing all this out to you. Like, it's hopeless. It's not hopeless. You can do it, but it takes a ton of work, as with all parenting. Right now with Noah, I, I, my, my entire, I feel like every time, from the time I walk in the door to the time I put him to bed, my job is keeping him alive. He, he wants to grab the stove. He wants to pull the pots out of the, out of the cabinet that are over his head. He wants to, he wants to dive into the bathtub. He, he, like, he, the toilet is so fascinating for him. <laughs> I don't get it. Stop. He, he loves to put stuff in the toilet, which, oh, man. My, my entire life, like, I get home, and I'm like, no, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. And, and listen, that, that should never stop. Not the keeping them alive. I mean, we should always do that. But hopefully they stop trying to put stuff in the toilet. But, I mean, the constant vigilance. The, the constant, hey, what are we doing? Hey, what's going on there? Your child should never hesitate when you say, let me see your phone. If they're texting somebody, you should have the liberty to say, let me see that. Take it away from them. If they have to, wait, 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 wait. Uh, nope, that's not, that's not a good thing. Be vigilant. Be vigilant who their friends are. I recently had to deal with some of our students who were, who were joking about uh, some things that were sexual in nature. And as I, I talked to them about it and addressed it, uh, and whether I, you believe them or not, their claim was, I had no idea that's what that meant. Okay, where'd you learn it? Why, why are you doing it then? Well, so-and-so did it, and we thought it was funny. All right, that kind of, listen, your child's friends are going to influence them in a major way. And as our world becomes more sexual and more perverted, those kind of things become more funny, and, and they, they embrace them. They think, ha this is hilarious. Everybody's going to laugh if I make this crude joke. But they have no idea what they're saying. We have to be sure that we as parents are, are vetting their friends. Spend time with their friends. Know what they're talking about. Know what they're, what they're doing. Number six, I've got to be done. Uh, teach your child to have some mental fortitude. Teach them to endure. This is a rare thing anymore for students to do the thing that's uncomfortable for them. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. There's, if, if they don't perceive a payout, it's not something they want to keep doing. I don't want to join that sports team. I'm not going to play. Yeah, you're not going to play. You're a seventh grader. You're not going to be great. Give it time. You'll get better. Of course, they're letting upperclassmen play over you. Oh, I'm not going to do that because, listen, we have to teach our kids to do the uncomfortable thing. Now, with that being said, I don't want us to push our children to be in positions where they're miserable. There is a balance there. And one of the things I recently read that really stuck out to me was if your child wants to quit something, set a timeline and, and make them quit on a good day. Don't let them quit on the bad days. Don't let them quit when everything's falling apart. Let them quit when they're on top of the world. Let them quit when they scored in the basketball game and everything's awesome. That's when, hey, you want to quit? You still want to quit? Because that, that helps our children understand, listen, I'm not quitting because it's difficult. I, I, this is not something that I'm passionate about. Therefore, it's not something I want to pursue. And that's okay. All right, uh, last one. Enable your children to be confident. Your child's confidence is tied very much to you as a parent. It, confidence and, and pride, there's a very fine line between them. But we should, have, we should allow our children to know that we are proud of them as people. Look for an opportunity to talk them up in front of somebody else. Look, be sure that we're not tying our approval to them to their accomplishments. Be, they got an A on the test. Hey, I am so proud of you for putting forth a, 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 an A effort. Hey, I'm so proud of you for doing the best you can on that. 
I'm not, because when we tie it to their accomplishments, we can very often cause this insecurity that if I don't do well, if I don't perform the way I'm expected to, then my parents won't approve of me. Now listen, it's important for us to teach our kids, my approval is tied to you as a person. I love you because you're mine. You're my child. And I'm proud of you because you're, 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 you're mine. And our approval has to be tied to them as people and not to their accomplishments. And let's be sure that as we praise our kids, it's not tied to, hey, awesome, I'm proud of you for getting an A. Instead, hey, awesome, I'm proud of you for putting forth that much effort. Hey, you scored 12 points in the soccer game. I know that's none of our kids. But hey, you scored 12 points in the soccer game. That's awesome. I'm proud of you for working so hard. All right? Tie our praise to who they are and their effort and not to their accomplishments. And then we need to be sure that we let them go. Let your child grow up. Let them go. I remember as, a, as I, my dad drove away from college 14 hours back home, I sat on, on my bed totally overwhelmed as an 18-year-old kid thinking, I, what have I done? I am not ready for this. I'm not ready to be an adult. If my car breaks down, i got to figure it out. If I have financial problems, it's my job. But it's important for our kids to do that because if we don't let our children go, we can stunt their emotional and mental maturity. We must be sure that we allow them to, to be adults and that we embrace that, that aspect of their life. 